Hello and welcome to In the Limelight. Today we are recording a very personal conversation and something that is actually my most requested topic to date. We are chatting about relationships with my husband, DJ. (laughs) Um, I feel so lucky to have found a life partner that is my true unwavering rock. Hi, I love you. And um, in my husband, who is also my best friend, and he is literally the smartest, kindest person I know, and that is not an exaggeration. I literally tell him all the time that he is the best person I know. So thanks, thanks for being here. Hi everyone, thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to go through a combination of topics that we feel are important to talk about, um, as well as listener submitted questions. So these, most of these questions were submitted a while ago um, because it's taken us a while to actually sit down and record this podcast, but we've like talked about doing it for a really long time. Yeah, I think it's something that comes up whenever we're like, okay, what should we do this afternoon? We're like, okay, we should get get this podcast together and do it for everybody. And it's always the, just the next thing that we're going to do. So today we're doing it. Yeah, we decided today we're going to sit down and doing it. So yeah, I'm excited. I think you're excited. I am. I'm sitting here beaming, so... <laughs> So we're going to start off by talking a little bit about like when I, like, so when we first met, so DJ and I, backstory, have been together for six years. We've been married for a little over two years, although it feels like we've been married for six years. I think you would agree. I would have to agree with that, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So DJ had just moved to Chicago from Michigan because he went to U of M, so he moved here for work. And we met while I was still um, in the middle of college at DePaul. So we met prior to me getting sick. Yep. And we dated when I was a pretty healthy person, all things considered. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably about two and a half or three years before you started getting sick, I think. Yeah. So. So it's interesting because, like, I think now, for better and for worse, like, I'm a totally different person than when we first met. And so it's, I'm sure it's like weird for you to see like both sides of it. Yeah. I don't know if I'd call it weird necessarily, but a different perspective on life collectively. I think the way we both, uh, you know, view next steps in life and what our plans are, it drastically different than when we first started dating and not in a bad way, but maybe in a more comprehensive uh, and realistic way too. Well, I think... Getting so sick or having your spouse get so sick, it really, like, truly shows you what's important. And it makes you, like, value your time with that person, I think, that much more. Mm -hmm. And also, like, drown out anything that, like, doesn't really matter. Absolutely. I'm sitting here nodding my head yes to everything Allie's saying, but I realize we're on a podcast and nobody can see that. So I have to start saying (laughs) yes and (laughs) saying more things. (laughs) You can't just nod at me. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I feel like, you know, it's interesting because I always say that, like, although this is the worst illness, just like all of them, any chronic illness, any kind of disease is the worst illness, but, like, although it's, like, obviously horrible to get sick, it definitely gives you, like, a different kind of mental clarity, and I think that you have also kind of adopted that for the most part. Absolutely agree with that. <laughs> so... Yeah. 
But I do think, like, in some ways it has to be, like, because even I think about myself sometimes and who I was, like, before I got sick. And, like, I, you know, now have been in therapy for a year. And, like, a big part of that was, like, grieving my old self. Mm -hmm. So, like, I know that there's changes. And it's not just me. It's not just hard on me. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think it's uh, just an overall change in lifestyle collectively, right? Adapting to um, new way of life limitations that you may not have had before and also like grasping with the impact of those at the end of the day too which i think is a never-ending journey in some respects and it's more about managing it day to day and i think we've really taken kind of the (coughs) long-term perspective on it all um knowing that there's good days and bad days but when we have a bad day it's always about looking okay okay it's been so many days since we've had a bad day we've had so many good days uh and taking that long run view really helps see the complete picture sometimes too yeah i agree um so obviously since we met before i got diagnosed with lyme we went through the process together of trying to figure out what was wrong so for anyone else out there i guess that maybe is going through that with their spouse or their partner like what's your advice for them so i think one of the things that was helpful for me um, in a way like really was like a primer for me of chronic illness in general is my sister has lupus Mm -hmm. and so growing up and seeing the struggles that she had in high school and that she still has today after college with uh, lupus and uh, all of her symptoms that go along with that I think gave me maybe more sympathy or empathy to understanding what a chronic illness is and how that manifests itself day to day for a person. So I think like first and foremost, like finding a way to relate it to people where it's personal to them is one of the most important things. They may not understand Lyme disease. I don't think you or I understood Lyme disease at the beginning either. Yeah. Um, I think there's still a lot to understand with it. But whether it's a, you know another example of a you know family member or friend that has a chronic illness or is sick or struggles with something, uh, I think relating it to that and illustrating like if they can see the impact for this other person it helps them bridge the gap to see the impact to you as well and i think like too when i and it's funny because i didn't really realize like what was wrong with me like i think it just at a certain point we were like okay something's wrong Hmm. like what point now that i'm thinking about like what point was it for you that you were like okay something's wrong yeah i think for me it was you were a very healthy, energetic person. Um, used to get like a lot of sinus colds and things like that, though, too, at the same That's time. True. And when those <coughs> weren't going away, and then also, like, you know, it was very rare for you to, you know, say, like, I can't do something right now. And I think at the first couple times, it was like, oh no, like, of course you can do this, right? Like, you've always been able to do this. And I think after a couple times that those happened, probably a couple tears as well, that. Um, it was really like, okay, there's there's something more to this than what's happened in the past or uh, what we would normally expect. Yeah. I think I just, like, it's funny because I don't really think about it anymore, but I have lost so much of my memory that I just don't even really remember. Like, there's certain, like, key points that I remember, right? Like, I remember coming home from finally when we found Dr. Dumont at Northwestern and I just remember being, like, so happy that we found him. And he was like, yeah, I think there's something. That, like, I remember that. But there's just so many things that I just don't even remember yeah. at all. And I think the challenge, too, going through this whole piece was, you know, we went to however many doctors in different places telling yeah. you conflicting things or that nothing was wrong. And to know that something 
definitely was, but not being able to figure out was, I think, a very frustrating part of the diagnosis journey. Yeah. I would agree. (laughs) (laughs) So... With that being said, obviously there's a lot of times where you just like can't do a lot, like how we were talking about earlier. So DJ and I, so we're recording this on a Sunday night and I went out twice this weekend. I went out for lunch on Saturday and I went out for brunch on Sunday, which is a really big deal for me. (laughs) Um, But there's sometimes where like you just can't do anything or like maybe you can only leave your house like once during the week like what are things that like we do together that you enjoy that like don't require a lot of effort yeah and i think it's about finding that different pace or that new pace with everything too right and so i think it's one like how we talked about before taking that long run view like oh you know sure we can't go see this movie this weekend like we can go next weekend right like it'll still be there (coughs) uh you know there's other things that you can do will always still be there but also just finding like easy, fun things to do around the house. Uh, yeah. I think we've gone through various phases of things together yeah, we uh, that we always do as a couple. Like most couples, I think, probably go to like see dinner in a movie or something yeah. like that. And we're like, like, let's open a new puzzle or board game. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we've gone through different phases of, you know, whether it be puzzles, board games, yeah. movie series. Uh, what else? My attempts at cooking are the good cook, not me. So... <laughs> I, I'm the I bring down the average in that category. He's the, he's the sous chef. <laughs> and um, I think just like even just going for walks around the block, yeah, right? Like true. even bad days, we're like, okay, like let's see if we can just go around the block one time today, or up and down the street, and just to yeah. be outside, see the sun a little bit, get fresh air. Um, it doesn't matter really what you're doing, it as long as you're doing something together. I think, and that's yeah. ultimately what we strive for. I agree, and I it's funny because like the walking thing is like such a big thing for me because you know there was a time where like I could barely walk Mm -hmm. and so now I like love walking and I will drag DJ on like these massive walks like all over and it's literally my favorite thing to do (laughs) it's my favorite thing (laughs) yeah and it's kind of funny too because I think we always end that with like getting a coffee somewhere or something like that now or a small bite to eat and it's kind of funny because like I have friends that'll be They'd be like, you know, my wife goes and gets a Starbucks every single day or something like that. Can you yeah. believe they spend that money? And I'm like, I'm happy my wife feels good enough to go outside and get a Starbucks <laughs> today. Like, she can get two if she feels that yeah. good. <laughs> so it's, I think it's all about putting it in perspective, though, too, right? And having, like, if you approach it with the wrong perspective on things, yeah. like, you'll be perpetually disappointed, I think. So as yeah. long as you, not to say you're lowering your expectations on what yeah. you can do or anything like that, but being realistic with yourself and having a perspective on that. Uh, I think is the most important thing. It's just coming to your new normal and like, obviously you're not going to be okay with it overnight, but I think eventually it feels more right and you don't, you don't feel like you're missing out. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. No, I agree with that too. And I think it's one of those things that where it takes a village too. Yeah. And so like, I know like, you know, we're so lucky to have, be able to spend a lot of time with your parents and be with them and your mom's yeah. able to help out with so much. And also just the friends that, Ali's found in the Lyme community as well. There's some friends that, you know, didn't understand everything that we've experienced as a couple or Ali with Lyme disease and finding a new community of friends that really understands that where it's okay to be done with, you know, something at 9 p.m. or on a late night (laughs) and other things like that, um, I think is really helpful to like finding, you know, the village that's right for you and the people that will support you uh, and be there for you in different ways that 
you know, everybody in your life now may not be able to be moving forward. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. And it's hard because unless you see someone day in and day out dealing with this disease, people just don't get it and they don't understand. And, um, there are a lot of questions and you do lose friends and it's a really unfortunate thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a hard thing. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I think also just even like as your husband, right, there's some things that, you know, not being a patient myself with Lyme disease that yeah. are difficult for me to understand or fully grasp, right? Like I might be aware of it, but like the true impact of it is difficult to grasp sometimes. Yeah. And so one of the things that I'm very happy and fortunate with is that you found a good group of friends and people in the community as well to talk about some of these things that, yeah. you know, me as your spouse, even though I got to listen to you talk about them all day, like I might not understand them in the same way that yeah. others do too. And that's okay to have an, a holistic support system in that. Yeah, we really do. And I feel really lucky, you know, that we have that. And, <clears throat> and I think it didn't come overnight either. Like, no, it didn't. and I, you know, I think that's something that when we talk to other people, they're like, oh, we're so happy to have found people, right. That are experiencing the same things as us. You know, this was, you know, much of a journey finding that as it has been through Lyme disease, I think too, right. It's not something that you snap your fingers or it happens overnight, uh, right away. It's something that builds over time, like any other true friendship. Right. And, uh, I think that this is just another example where, you know, it's may feel difficult to be patient, but it'll come with time and it'll come together. And I think it's good because I do think caregivers, need support too and they need outside support and they need someone to relate to um and i think that can like very easily be forgotten about so um um, yeah so i think i'll kick off the next topic for us then which is ways we support one another um i think one of the things that we've talked about and seen with other couple friends too, it's like, how do you expect support from one another that's equitable, right? Or how do you feel you're both pulling your weight, whether you're sick or not sick, right? And something like this and um, having that sense of belonging with it all. So um, I think we're going to talk a couple things that we do to support one another that are, I think, simple, maybe, maybe unique. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And kind of just in everyday life. So. Well, I think, you know, we're so lucky that it just comes so naturally to both of us because you're not only my spouse, but you're also my best friend. So, like, everything's all about you all the time for me. <laughs> Besides the dogs. Like, it's, like, DJ, Wrigley, D. Jokes aside, I'm number three on that list. <laughs> but I think we have, like, a very unique relationship because so... DJ is in business and he travels every week. So like we really have to make sure that like we take the time to like spend quality time with each other. And so like we talk every night, like when he's traveling, we talk every night on the phone and like, I think we're both really good at like hearing each other out on like what we're dealing with day to day. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, me traveling for work, quite a bit is challenges in other ways too, but I think it also makes us very purposeful with all the time we yeah, have together, does. right? When I'm home on the weekends or at night, when we talk to each other, um, you know, we don't always get that same face-to-face time during the week that other couples do. So just being very purposeful and thoughtful with the time and, you know, making sure that we're seeking that out too, um, is I think something that's 
very important to us and we prioritize. Yeah. And I think also like emotionally supporting each other with this illness, like we're both, I think, very open with how we're feeling day to day. And um, like, I never feel like I have to hide my emotions with you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just tell you exactly what I'm thinking. And mm-hmm. I think having that emotional support is a really big thing because not everyone feels that way. And I think we'll get into this, but like, it's very easy to feel like a burden when you are this ill and you do have a caregiver um it's just a very different feeling especially when you're this young so yeah no i agree with that so So, and i'm lucky that like dj is like it's basically like dj my mom my dad and i have a few very close friends that are like extremely supportive but it's like dj and my mom really that can like take the caregiver role and like there's nobody more supportive than them (laughs) (laughs) so just like innately all the time with everything yeah i think too like when it goes in like the good days and bad days right like we always try to make things relative to each other right and so like i know i was talking about before like you know okay well this is a feels like a bad day today you know well think about all the good days we've just had that's as many as we've had in a long time right things like that and Allie does the same thing with me. Yeah. She turns the tables on me with the same words. <laughs> you know, it, uh, you know, if this is the worst thing that happens today, it's yeah. still not such a bad day at the end of the day, right? And so I think keeping that in perspective and, um, you know, it's very easy to be trying to, like, keep up with the Joneses or, you know, in the rat race at work and things like yeah. that. And there's so much more that, you know, makes us very happy at a, at a, you know, even more simple level. <laughs> I don't even, I wouldn't even describe it as, like, keeping up with the Joneses for you, but, like, DJ, like I said before, is the most amazing human and is very, very smart and um, works on really difficult things with other really smart people, and he puts a lot of pressure on himself, and other people put a lot of pressure on him to sometimes do the impossible, and, like, sometimes when you're totally overwhelmed, you just have to, like, take a second, take a breath, and say, like, I'm able-bodied. Like, I'm able to do this, and I have a great job, and I have a great family, and, like, if this is as bad as it gets, like, not good. Like, we're doing pretty good, yeah. you know? And 100% it's just true. <laughs> stopping each other and kind of, like, thinking that through. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, I say to DJ all the time, like, as long as we have each other, we're going to be okay. <laughs> 100% true, yeah. So. <laughs> it's the best checks and balance there is, I think, so. Yeah. Unless I bring too many dogs home, then maybe we're not going to be okay. <laughs> They'll start pushing it. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I'm trying to think. I just, I think it, like, when you're stuck in this all the time, it can be easy to, like, kind of get sick of it Mm -hmm. and get sick of, like, always having to be, like, mindful of your illness or, like, your spouse's illness and... I think it's just knowing it's like knowing how they're feeling and sympathizing with them. And... Yeah. Well, I think with any couple as well, like your lives become intertwined and integrated mm-hmm. together in every ways, right? Like one of Allie's passions is food, which I know she's talked about before. And that was something that was not of my passions necessarily <laughs> when we first met. And so like, that's something that for many couples comes very naturally, right? Like yeah. oh, I love a lot of those type of things. Allie's learned to enjoy a lot of things that I really love as well, right? 
And I think the same way when you get sick with a chronic illness like this, it's a new average of that, right? It's maybe like a third point of reference or something where it moves a little bit in a different direction. But yeah. like now when we go out to eat, right? Like I have no problem going to like a vegan restaurant or whatever it may yeah. be just to accommodate like your dietary restrictions and what yeah. you need to. And that was something that like probably when we first started dating, I never would have even walked in the door of a place <laughs> like that. <laughs> so so if, if you're worried, there's hope for everybody. If I can do that, there's <laughs> plenty of other people that can as well. <laughs> And it can be fun. Like, you know, when I stopped eating dairy, I learned how to make, <coughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting over a cold, um, a vegan and gluten-free, like, fettuccine Alfredo. And you, I think, unless you're lying to me, like, really like it. So it becomes kind of like a challenge almost to make something that's, like, delicious and, like, figure it out together. Mm -hmm. And um, it can be a nice activity for, like, Saturday night in. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <coughs> So I get a lot of messages from people through social media talking about um, how their, either their family members or their spouses or their boyfriends or their girlfriends don't necessarily understand that this isn't a choice, right? Like mm -hmm. literally we were talking about earlier today how sometimes for me like emptying like putting away clothes from a laundry basket is exhausting like it'll take me days to do it because I'm just so exhausted and like DJ understands that that's like not a choice for me like I do a little bit at a time I do it as I can and like honestly it feels like a huge accomplishment when it's done <laughs> so how did you kind of like wrap your head around that yes yeah, so I think for me it was one of the things you know we talked about is like open communication in general early right so like even like I'm somebody that likes things very neat and orderly. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as you're mentioning, right, like it's sometimes it's just tough to put a laundry basket away, right? And I think you're good <coughs> about communicating the first time, like, I know I haven't done this yet. I'm going to do it when I feel up to it tomorrow or whatever yeah. it may be, right? And so I think having that communication, just like awareness and sensitivity to some of these things yeah. both ways is really, really good. Um, I think that the other challenge that I had initially early on was <coughs> trying to do too much, right? And not yeah. knowing that you needed to slow down. And so like, I, I'm very much go, 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 traveling a lot for work. My family's back in Michigan, so come going to visit them outside of Chicago, you know, doing other things with friends and whatnot. I always like to be go, go, go. And I think it took a little while for me and Al to find that right balance where it was like, okay, this is too much for me right now. Like I need a day to stop doing this. And <laughs> I think at one point I said, like, you have to tell me this when you're feeling this way, because it's sometimes it's dif difficult to discern. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe I'm not picking up on the right cues and things like that, that I need to be. And I think that that's just an overall area where we really improved our communication like that. So I know when Al says this is too much, like, we definitely need to slow down and stop and, yeah. you know, readjust our plans accordingly for whatever it is that we're doing. I think at first too, like I, and I still do, like anytime I miss something, even if it's something I don't really want to go to, I'm still disappointed because <laughs> it means that like my body is giving in and I can't do it. And I think at first I would like try to push myself, not realizing like the consequences. And now I'm like so hyper aware of the consequences mm -hmm. of like everything I do. Like, even if it's like, going out for lunch or like something like totally normal like if I'm already down it'll put me in bed for like days and days and I think mm -hmm. now like we both know that because we've like seen the consequences of it so 
Yep, absolutely. And I think it's like uh, one of those things too where you, sometimes you have to pick and choose like what you yeah. ultimately can do at the end of the day because you can't do everything or even despite, you know, a lack of whether or not you want to do it or not, right? Um, and making sure that like getting rest ahead of time, like try to get things in order so like if you're able to do it, like you can do it, right? And not having to worry about other things that may come up or derail plans. And I think if you can't do something, it's okay. And don't let anyone tell you that it's not. And like, don't let anyone make you feel guilty for it. Like, thankfully, that's not something with like DJ or like my parents or like my close friends that I've had to deal with. But like, you can't let anyone make you feel bad for certain things because they just like don't get it. Um, and it's not your fault. It's your body and you have to listen to your body. So if anyone's making you feel that way, they've got to cut it out and you've got to stand up for yourself. So. Absolutely agree. If, uh, and one of the things that we always talk about is just like self-care in general, right? Yeah. Like if you're not taking care of yourself first, like you're not doing anybody else any favors Absolutely. by running yourself downhill, whether you're have yeah. chronic illness or not, but especially yeah. if you have a chronic illness. And I think that's like, I kind of just like had a line brain moment and lost my train of thought with this, but I think something else that like you've gotten really good about is like when I first got sick, like we'd get a lot of questions about it, right? Like why I wasn't working, like Mm -hmm. all of these things. And like, we just like didn't really know how to respond to it. So it just always like left me really upset and frazzled. And like, I think that DJ, like now I'm way more open about it. Like I will literally tell you anything you want to know about what's going on with me. Um, but I also think like DJ has gotten really good at jumping in and saying like, well, X, Y, or Z and kind of like shutting it down because it can be like emotionally and like mentally exhausting just to like constantly have to explain yourself to like people that don't understand. And even if you're willing to, right? Like, like I said, it could be emotionally exhausting to be a bit too much sometimes Mm -hmm. too. So just like finding the, the right words or ways to frame up a conversation or shift a topic on it when it's, you know, you don't, you don't feel comfortable or you're too exhausted to talk about it, or it's been, uh, you know, an emotional week with, uh, everything, you know, feeling sick and yeah. unwell that, uh, you know, make sure you're taking care of yourself. Yeah. Well, thank you. Hmm? I appreciate <laughs> you. <laughs> um, so yeah. So if you're a spouse listening, that definitely helps a lot. Like, kind of stepping in and like helping your partner even if they can explain it or like talk about it themselves it just I think people are so curious and it's like thank god it's like such an abnormal thing for them that they just like can't imagine it so yeah that's like a very helpful thing um before we get into our listener questions it's interesting because I get a lot of questions about dating and like dating with chronic illness dating with Lyme disease and it's funny because we obviously, and this is actually one of the questions was like, did you and DJ meet when you were sick? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we didn't, but I feel like lately I've had a lot of friends that have started dating that have chronic illnesses and have Lyme disease. And it's a really like, it's a really good thing for them. It's positive because they're getting out there and, you know, they're feeling well enough to do it. And but it's just mentally and emotionally, like, it's exhausting to figure out the right way to go about it. Mm-hmm. So I did want to talk about dating a little bit okay. with chronic illness. <laughs> it's just, it's difficult because we didn't date. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You well, already stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> Long before that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that 
like whenever you're dating starting dating somebody you're always interested in like talking about passions things that you're passionate about right yeah. and i think one thing about this community here for people that are sick and they're extremely passionate about Lyme yeah. disease with the education the awareness the research around it right because you engulf yourself in trying yeah. to learn more about it both from a self-healing <laughs> perspective but collectively to educate others and explain what's going on too so i think you know when you're first dating somebody to showcase it as a positive and yeah. something that you're very passionate about and that's the reasons true, why that's I think that's pretty powerful and compelling to anybody right like if you know somebody were to say you know my mother died of breast cancer or something yeah. like that and I I'm really into fundraising and do all these things for it or learning more people would be very I think empowered by that and interested to learn more in a positive light right like you're taking a negative from your life and turning it into a positive yeah. And I think people latch on to that. And it's a good way to introduce it early without being afraid of putting yourself out there Absolutely. a little bit. And I think, uh, you know, it's something that you don't have to wait to talk about or be fearful to talk about. Because if you're, you know, interested in seriously dating somebody and they're not receptive to this, yeah. you probably don't want to be dating that person anymore Absolutely. anyways. And so it's good to know early on and things like that, too, if this is something that they understand or... Um, you know, are curious to learn more about and yeah. see, you know, what you're experiencing. Because if not, they'll shut off to it right away. And Absolutely. yes, that's not a great feeling, but it's also, you know, better than not having them understand it yeah. at all, right? When then you need them to understand it. Yeah. And I think to that, like if you talk about it with somebody and they do shut off to further dates or whatever that looks like, it's not you, it's them. Like it's, and that's not somebody that like you want to be getting involved in. You want to get involved with somebody who's going to support you and, um, you know, that you can really grow together with and have a healthy relationship. And that would not be the start of a healthy relationship. So it would not. <laughs> just cause you have your own illness and you know, you're dealing with your own shit. Everyone's dealing with their own shit and, um, you still deserve to be in a loving, healthy relationship. So just autoplay that if you need to hear it <laughs> <laughs> rewind play back, rewind, play back. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything else with... um <clears throat> i don't think so not that i can think of right now i mean do you think like because this is something actually i get asked from my girlfriends is like oh when should i tell him that like mm. do you know what i mean yeah but like i don't know like it's something to me like, I totally understand not wanting to, like, bombard someone, right? And have mm -hmm. it be all you talk about for two hours at dinner. But I also don't think it's something to hide. No, 100% true, right? I think that, you know, one of the challenges about Lyme sometimes is that everybody talks about Lyme, yeah. right? And the same community. So it's tough to step away and have, like, an everyday conversation with somebody yeah. sometimes, too. Um, and I think that finding that right balance of that and ways to kind of layer it in and work it in and feel yeah. it out a little bit and find that comfort zone is important. Um, you know, I think jumping right in and telling uh, the full story A to Z can yeah. probably be overwhelming to anybody, yeah. but to find ways to incrementally work that into a conversation and talk about it. I don't think it's something you should feel like you have to hold back from, but rather like look for the opportunistic opportunities to bring it to light a little bit to illustrate what you're going through and yeah. kind of see what their response is to it too. And I think, you know, just in general that I found is like having in-person communication is always one of the best things. I think as a 
culture meets taking aside step for a second but culture like too easy to text facebook message instagram dm people and you don't see like what their like facial responses to things right they don't see the nerves you have of asking them about this and putting yourself out there a little bit and so i think the more like you have those like real in-person conversations with people right and they see how much it impacts you. You see what their response is, right? Absolutely. Um, not like it's a test, but just it's it makes it much more authentic of a conversation, I think, and doesn't miss any of the key points. You can understand it more. Absolutely. Body I language is an important thing. Okay. So, yeah. So if you have any more dating questions or relationship questions, I mean, you can always... You can ask Allie, not me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the dating expert. (laughs) What were you talking about being supportive? (laughs) Um, I'm not the dating expert either. So let's just be clear about that one. Um, But yeah, you can always send me a message or like just to chat. Uh, My Instagram is always linked below. So now we will get into some reader questions. The first one being, how does DJ stay so strong when he's got a lot to do and also he has to support you? Because you, like, obviously work, like, a very high-level full-time job. You take care of me when you're home. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just so much going on. Like, how do you stay mentally sane? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, as mentioned before, like it takes a village, right? Like we're incredibly fortunate, like where your mom is able to step in and help while I'm away and things like that too, right? And in some aspects that gives us both like a little bit of a reprieve and a chance to catch our breath and stuff like that too. Um, Just to like prepare for the next week or whatever's coming up next. I think that's uh, a big piece of it. I think, um, you know, just on the whole, like, I feel exhausted at the end of a lot of weeks because I'm busy with things. And yeah. Allie is certainly also exhausted with everything, too. So it, it's been a good pace check for us just to, like, slow down and enjoy things, I think, a lot more than when we were go, go, go. Um, and I think that that's been healthy for both of us, actually. Um, and I've also found, I think, too, just in general, like, a lot of the lifestyle habits, whether it be dietary yeah. or... Um, you know, holistic medicine, many different things are also excellent for healthy people to take on and live by too. And I think that, you know, that also just like opens my eyes up to how can I take better care of myself too? So I'm taking care of you. And so I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like any married couple, like just wants to be able to take care of their spouse and do whatever it takes to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, that's one of the reasons that keeps me going through everything, right? Yeah. And making sure that I'm in a position to help you and give you everything you need at the end of the day. Because that's, like you said earlier, like as long as we have each other, that's all that matters. So That's true. Mm-hmm. And the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and the two dogs. <laughs> um, so another question, and I think mate, this is directed at me is what do you do when you're emotionally fragile? So I think I am really, really lucky. So I am i don't think I'm as emotionally fragile as I was at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Like I've definitely been through some really challenging times with this illness, like between like the diagnosis and like initially starting the treatment and herxing all the time and then you know, I, I kind of, like, started to feel better, and then, like, you know, my close friend and 
fundraising co-chair passed away and that like spiraled me backwards and I was in like a really emotionally fragile state for a long time on and off um but I think for me the best thing that I did was start seeing a psychologist and I'm now religious about it I see her every Monday at three o'clock and it kind of gives me a chance to like really deep dive into like whatever I need to deep dive into um and then you know number one I think it's it's healthy for me and I think it's healthy for our relationship because I'm not constantly like I definitely still go to DJ and I'm like I'm dying but like it's not like a daily like Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean yeah like it gives me a separate outlet for that not to put like all of it on you yeah and I think I think first off like you know, if anyone's ever worried about going to see a therapist, psychologist, or whatever, maybe that has a negative connotation. Counselor, like counselor, like, I could not have been happier that Allie yeah. wants to do that because some things like as a spouse, like especially, I mean, we're in our twenties, right? Like we haven't had all these life experiences of yeah. people passing away, moving away, like whatever it may yeah. be, right? Getting sick. And so even from a life experience, like I'm not equipped to talk about everything, give the best advice or yeah. work through some things. I think one thing that you've gotten very good at, and this is part of that as well, is the self-awareness, right? Yeah. Like, okay, like I'm upset about this or, you know, I'm really like, uh, you know, in a fragile state about this and understanding what that is, right? And taking yeah. that step back in that moment, I think you're much more self-aware of it yeah. than when it first happened. And it was like a spiraling of emotions, yeah. right? Um, and I think going and seeing Tracy and, you know, everything has helped with that as well. Um, but I think that, uh, overall could not recommend that more yeah so if you're thinking about it or you feel like you need it I would definitely not hesitate to seek out that kind of like professional help because um, I don't think you know I don't think there's anything wrong with that I think mm-hmm. taking care of your brain you got to take care of it just like you take care of your body um, our next question what do you do when you feel like you can't be there as much for your this says boyfriend but i mean i'm still your boyfriend you so boyfriend. <laughs> boyfriend, for life. boyfriend fiance husband so <laughs> um i do feel bad and i do feel guilty about that sometimes i think thankfully i'm like kind of past that but i think sometimes you're just really unwell and thankfully i know like DJ understands that and I think no matter what like emotionally I'm always there for you Mm -hmm. so even if like physically I can't like do things for you or like help you or like Mm -hmm. I know emotionally I can always help you yeah absolutely I think like something along those lines is like we always try to give ourselves something to look forward to whether it's like an event going somewhere seeing somebody right yeah like we always do these incremental things that they don't even have to be big things right just like always looking forward to doing something I think that's something that like (laughs) we both strive to do for for each other um and I think that really helps quite a bit um I think what was the other part of the question again sorry um it's just basically was like what do you do when you feel like you can't emotionally be there for your boyfriend mm-hmm. are you thinking about that I'm one? thinking yeah <laughs> I think even if you feel that way like if you're feeling shitty or like you're conscious of it or like I don't I don't think it's as bad as you're thinking it is because you're aware of it does yeah. that make sense mm-hmm. and I don't think you should like put that guilt on yourself 
Because even if you're just sitting in a room silently together, like you can still be supportive of that person. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Like it's one thing like if you're projecting it on somebody and yeah. like as if they're to blame, you know, no one's to blame in this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think just finding ways to be together, do simple things together, spend quality time together is mm-hmm. what it is at the end of the day. It's not all like a Instagram lifestyle where yeah. you're people are jetting off places constantly or whatever it is. It's, you know, I can't tell you how many times we've just sat in like at 7 p.m. on a Saturday in sweatpants and just like watched a Hallmark movie. So Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Hallmark mysteries. God, like, honestly, God bless DJ. <laughs> I, it's my favorite thing. I'm telling you, in Illinois, Channel 227, they are so good. You never see anything gory, which is what makes it perfect. <laughs> Um, this I think is actually the hardest question is how do you deal with feeling like a burden Mm -hmm. because it does come on and off. And I think it's especially hard if you're like, like I used to be a very active person, very self-sufficient. Like I didn't really need a lot from anyone. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like completely dependent on DJ and on my parents and like, thankfully, like they're the most supportive people and they will do anything to support me and get me well. But it does, I mean, it just sucks sometimes. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like it does feel shitty, but I think it's also remembering that like, this isn't, this isn't your fault. Like you did not choose to get bit by a dick. (laughs) Um, And I think as a couple too, right? You're, that's exactly what it is as a couple. You're dependent on each other for different types of things, right? And so it's okay to be dependent on people for. Absolutely. And I think even healthy people are that way as well. It's the degree that, you know, you feel like a, uh, or somebody feels like a burden in a relationship, right? And so I think it's also finding like ways that you can contribute to or that are impactful to the other person, Mm -hmm. right? So even simple things like when I pack to travel, Allie picks out my ties for me for the week, right? That's something Mm -hmm. that like, I'm not a not good at doing B don't give much thought to <laughs> but that she loves doing to make sure I'm presentable and you know and uh look professional for the week anyway <laughs> so just finding like the little things that you know mean a lot to you or that they might overlook that um you know can make a difference for them I think is really important to kind of like seek those out right it doesn't have yeah. to be like like the monetary type of way it doesn't have to be like an occupation type of way there's plenty of other ways to contribute to a relationship and not make yourself feel like a burden at the end of the day i think no matter what like even if you were pursuing a job like everybody would say you know do what makes you happy at the end of the day right and i think that that's ultimately like what we still strive for it's just what makes us happy is different than what it used to be yeah and i think you know, like society has created these norms for us, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have to have a job, you have to get married, you have to have like 20 million children, like whatever. And in reality, you just have to decide like what your own norms are and what makes you happy, what makes your spouse happy and kind of shut out those other things um, that like can make you feel like you're less than when in reality you're not just someone else's standard. And I also think, you know, there obviously are just, like, ignorant people out there that, like, are never going to understand, but, like, DJ and I were out of state for, like, a family thing recently, and, like, the first thing someone asked me was, like, oh, you're better now, right? Like, you're back at work, and I was, like, no, and, like, they're just, like, so shocked, and, like, you can either choose to, like, 
make that have that like make you feel really bad or you can use it as like a chance for education to like educate that person and like Mm -hmm. create awareness you know so that they know number one like what some people are going through with these horrible illnesses but like number two so like if they ever experience some of those symptoms they know what to do so i think it's all kind of how you take it and i think like what we said when we first started the podcast too is that um, you know, people don't understand it if they don't see it or love it or breathe it day to day, right? And so unless, you know, you're vocal about it and talk about it as well, uh, it's hard for people to see sometimes. And even when you are, right, they, it's, yeah. the onus is on them to listen to. So Absolutely. that's the other half of it. You can do as much as you want sometimes and the other person still might not listen. And that's a, you know, a challenging thing to do too. But um, overall, it's the right step. All right, so our last um, reader question that was submitted was, so our last reader submitted question that we're going to go through because we're already at 45 minutes is, um, does Lyme disease slash Bartonella rage and mood swings ever affect DJ? So I think like when I have them, how does it affect you Mm -hmm. and how do we manage this? Yeah, and I think this goes back to like how we were talking about self-awareness before, right? Yeah. And I think it was like a lot harder when you didn't have the full self-realization that this is what was causing some of these yeah. things sometimes, right? Like that that was the source of it. Whereas now you're like, okay, like I'm really upset about this, but it's, it's because I'm upset about it or is it because of like Lyme rage, right? Yeah. And you take a moment to at least pause and think about it and yeah. go through that. Um, I think from my perspective too, right? Like recognizing that these are things that you're experiencing with like Lyme rage and um whatnot right like I try excuse me I try not to escalate things too right no or like get combative about something or anything like that knowing that okay like she's just trying to express herself and get something out of her system right like there's a you know and promise we have no knockout blowout fights (laughs) but like when we do get you know uh you know our uh, feel strongly about something right yeah. that you know sometimes that this is a manifestation of something else right and yeah. talking about that too and like you know sometimes I think we're even like okay Al is this the lime talking or is this you talking right <laughs> <laughs> and then also just even like I use a lot of self-deprecating humor too to like yeah. resolve some things that grow you know uh, arise anyways to just kind of like neutralize and say okay like now that we're thinking about this, like this isn't such a big deal after all or yeah. whatever it may be. So those are things that come to mind for me anyways. I'm not sure about you. I think that, well, thank God, like we've never been a couple that like fights. Like we're not like, mm-hmm. you know, people are like, oh, passionate couples fight. And I'm like, no, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so we're never like it's funny because I'll talk about it with my girlfriends and they're like yeah but this is normal and I'm like it's not normal (laughs) so um yeah so I think it's almost hard I don't know it's almost like hard for me to respond to it because we don't thank god not good we like don't have knockout drag you know well I think like like if you look at like what are good attributes of like healthy relationships in general right yeah. like it's loving caring and like patience are some of the words that would come to people's minds right and i think when you have lyme disease and you're experiencing these symptoms like you and your partner both need to have yeah. 
like the utmost highest qualities of these things too right so i think we're both very patient with one another yeah. in that regard right um you have to take some of these like values or principles like to the extreme because yeah you really do um, be like and, very mindful of things absolutely and like and i think it's the same things that make any other relationship healthy and sustainable too but it's just ensuring that you're living those out on a day-to-day basis <coughs> and not forgetting about them or pushing them to the side that prevents mm-hmm. bad, bad arguments from happening and things like that. So, I think too, like now, kind of like DJ said at first, when I would get like really worked up about something and it's never DJ, right? Like, like I said, DJ is the best person. So he never, like you don't upset me ever. Mm-hmm. It it's It'll be like an outside thing that has upset me that I'm like, talking to DJ about or like crying to DJ about and sometimes it's something that's just like not worth it Mm -hmm. but I'll just get so upset and like so worked up over it that I can't like bring myself down then I'm just like so sad so I think it's now that I'm like so hyper aware of the Lyme rage and that it isn't always me Mm -hmm. it can be like this outside factor I I think can de-escalate it better mm-hmm. and walk away from it. And I think like if it ever is something that has to do with like something related to us, like even if I have a little bit of a crazy response, I, I think I realize it pretty soon after mm-hmm. and like catch myself. And I, I typically still like stand by how I felt, but maybe <laughs> not as, <laughs> maybe not as intense. Yeah. <laughs> It's all, everything's having a happy medium, so. So I think if you're dealing with a lot of Lyme rage, I would definitely, like, start programming in your head that it's, like, not you, it's Lyme, number one. And number two, like, realizing that you just need that time to, like, cool off and think about really how you're feeling and, like, think about the root of the problem and then come back, you know, to the table and talk about it calmly um yeah and yeah. i think where like people find like spouses maybe find it challenging right is that i don't know if you're upset at me yeah. or you're upset about something else right yeah. but it's a strong response towards me right i think that's yeah. where like a lot of people struggle maybe in their relationships too and so just being sure to think about like okay is this something that this person has done to me or an outside thing right yeah. and then taking a breath, taking a pause to think about it and process it for a moment and then say, okay, now how do I approach this, right? Yeah. And whereas, you know, somebody that maybe, you know, doesn't fully understand everything that you're experiencing right Absolutely. now, right, can be very caught off guard by Lyme rage in general, I think. And, yeah. you know, it's something that escalates like that does, is never a, a win-win solution, I don't think. No, it's not. I mean, it's hard sometimes and... Yeah, I think it's just, like, realizing maybe when you've had an overreaction or um, not trying to keep that in check because I know it's not a choice, but just being mindful of it. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Nothing so, wrong with apologizing after the fact, too. So no. I, I know I've done that plenty. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> Any, everyone that knows anyone <laughs> has to apologize at some point. But. All right. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would have liked to talk about? I think that's most of it. Um, I think that is too. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground here, actually. So, yeah. 
Now people just have like the musings of our everyday conversations. I and know. For the world no, to if hear. people had like the musings <laughs> of our everyday conversations, they'd be like. <laughs> we still want you to subscribe. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Don't write us off yet. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to be on my humble podcast. Of course. Normally, you're just hearing hearing me from the other room doing this. But <laughs> it's fun to have you on here. So. I know. I've uh, I've officially done this for the first time now, so it's it's exciting. Hopefully, not the last. <laughs> yes, but... we'll do it again if people have more questions at some point and whatnot and hopefully this helped a lot of people today so i hope so and you know if you're in a relationship and you're struggling with your illness or your spouse's illness just know that you're not alone and there's a lot of couples just like you out there going through the same things day in and day out and um just love and support each other and you know that's what it's all about so i feel lucky to have dj support and i wish the same for you So, um, yeah, so with that, I will just say thank you so much for tuning in today. I am so excited for our next few episodes. Um, We have Artisan Pharmacy coming on in a couple of weeks, um, who's an amazing fellow Limey and business coach. Um, So we'll get some interesting advice from her, I am sure. And then I have a couple of In the Limelight events coming up on November 7th. I am hosting a live panel and podcast at Soho House in Chicago. So that is a free event for anyone in the Soho House community. Um, It's an amazing group of ladies that are joining me. So that'll be great. And I will record that and upload it. So if you can't physically be there, you can at least listen to the conversation. And then the day after that, on November 8th, I am working with my um, best friend, Daniel Lindstrom of Heart of a Hostess to host a gluten and dairy-free cooking and baking class also here in Chicago. Um, So join us. It'll be a very small group of of 12 or 14 people and we are donating those proceeds back to Global Lime Alliance. So I will keep you updated on more events that I do. Um, And as always, if you just want to chat or have a question, feel free to send me a message at Allie T. Moresco on Instagram and I am always here for you. So I am sending you Lots of love, lots of healthy vibes, and I will talk to you next time. Bye.